One, two, three, four. Hello, fellow geeks. This is Alex from the Scarif Podcast. If you're chomping at the bit for more quality discussion on the stuff you love, like science fiction, fantasy, action, adventure, subscribe to the Sci-Fictionary channel or visit thesciencefictionary.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Science Fictionary Podcast, brought to you by thesciencefictionary.com, where we discuss all things in the world of science fiction, superheroes, fantasy, and the world of pop culture. And I am Daniel, and joining me today, I have Andrew. What's going on? And Marisha. Hey, everybody. And David. Hello. All right. We're going to get started. I, I saw something really interesting I know everybody kind of laughed at this when it first came out, when the casting call for She-Hulk came out and Disney said, we're looking for an Allison Brie type. And we all sort of went, then just hire Allison Brie. <laughs> right. Right. So, uh, right. I don't know. I just thought it was stupid. And then she went on, uh, Corden, right? James Corden show. Yeah. She went on okay. James Corden show. And he started asking her some questions. She got kind of squirrely about it, which sort of makes you think maybe there is some talk about it uh, that she can't really talk about yet. I know it is something I think would be a good idea. I like Alison Brie. I love Glow. Oh, yeah. She is is so good in that. And she really is just kind of like this every woman sort of character and I think sort of actress. And I, I think she would be a good Jen Walters. And I know that Gina Carano comes up and and people like that because they've got the, you know, the physical look more. But, right. I mean, we CGI the Hulk from Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> right. right. Like, not like man, Mark, Mark Ruffalo is this, like, imposing guy, you know. Exactly. Yeah. He's not a small man, but he's also, he's not, he's not, you know. He's not Lou Ferrigno, for right. example. Exactly. So, you know, we're, we're probably going to see G.I. She-Hulk anyway. And early in that character's history, it hasn't been the way for a long time, but early in that character's history, she did transform like Bruce Banner did. The, the difference there was she always was able to keep her intelligence. Um, okay. So still being able to have, and, and that that would be really interesting. Like you could see Allison Brie as Jen Walters and the first time she becomes She-Hulk. And just her reaction to all of a sudden having these powers would be great. Yeah, right? well, that's the thing about her is that she's not only is she a really good actress, but she also does that type of humor that would play very well in the MCU. I mean, she's was just knockout hilarious in um, Community. I mean, she was definitely one of the best things about that show. So yeah, she's she's got a she's got a good hold on that sort of unintentional kind of dry quirky humor so yeah i think um i I don't really the only familiarity i have with she hulk is that she shows up in superhero squad every once in a while because (laughs) i have kids so um (laughs) but um i'm always interested to see anything allison brie does just because i think she's an interesting actress uh, she's fun to watch, and I think it would be real. You know, just the thought of her as like a female version of Hulk, not even knowing anything further about the character. I mean, that just sounds like a lot of fun to me. Yeah. Well, I think she just works. I I, I can see her working well with the other actors we already have within the universe. Mm-hmm. Right. I yeah. also think that she's just absolutely an incredible actress who could pull off anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Glow is one of my favorite shows. 
Um, I don't know how much of it y'all have seen, but I've, I've seen all of it. It is tremendous, and she is absolutely the best part of that show. She carries it, and you're right. She has that mm-hmm. very every woman quality, very um like Rosie the Riveter kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I could yeah. like I could see her doing the pose and and the character she plays on Glow and and um, She Hulk has always kind of been a symbol for that in many ways. Like this every woman hardworking. She's a lawyer by day, superhero by night, strong, independent. I don't mm-hmm. need no man kind of thing. Right. But not in a cringy way at all, you know, like exactly. in, a, in a really endearing, awesome character way. She Hulk's one of my favorite characters in Marvel. Yeah. And that's why I'm so excited for the show. And if Allison Brie was officially cast, like I, I, I would be over the moon about it. She's one of my favorite actresses. Mm-hmm. And like David said, they, they, an independent type of female character without it being mm-hmm. overly feminist, which I think some of us, you know, I think all, all four of us, at least we get tired of seeing that stuff just rammed down our throats all the time. And, but that character was, you know, like David said, an independent right. woman type of character without being, she did actually like men. Like it is not right. a man bashing thing. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, yeah. I think so, you can have very well handled. Right. Well, I kind of always go back. Like we did an episode a long, it's been a while now, but with our friends over at the Scarif podcast and we talked, it was about Princess Leia and about being a strong female character. And it's like the difference in what you see most of the time now in Princess Leia was that she didn't have to tell you that she was a strong character. Mm -hmm. She just Mm -hmm. did it. It's just who she was. It was a very unassuming kind of thing, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, I, and I've got daughters. I'm all for interesting female characters, but I think that they need to be able to carry it on their own instead of, you know, being like, I'm here to make a statement. I don't. And the thing is, mm-hmm. my my most dearly held beliefs, I don't like to be have them bashed over my head in movies, which is why I don't watch the vast majority of things that come out of the Christian film industry, because I don't want to have religion banged over my head in a movie um yeah. and, and i mean anyone who knows you knows how strong yeah you i are mean in your faith i mean so. i'm very religious but i and it's not that i don't necessarily i can appreciate religious elements in my entertainment but i don't want to be preached at and i don't want feminism preached at me i don't want you know i, don't, I just i don't want to be preached at in movies mm. and so yeah i think it's ex- exciting to see another interesting character that we can get who can be a really great female character just by virtue of who she is, not by virtue of how preachy she is. Mm-hmm. So I'm down yeah, with that. I, I, I'm all, I hate the preachy stuff. And, and the reason I hate it really, and the reason that everybody should hate it is because it's not effective. It, it's not going to get people no. on your side. It's going to push them away. They're going to get annoyed with it. It's an echo and, chamber for people who already agree with you. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and you're not actually going to be doing any good while, I think Glow is a perfect example of a show that has a lot to say, but doing it in a very organic and natural way and weaving it into the story Mm -hmm. and making you really care about the characters. So then whenever they bring up these issues that can be kind of preachy, it doesn't come off that way at all because it's about these characters that you've spent the time to get to know and love and and Ruth is one of those characters in that show, and Allison Brie plays that perfectly. And mm-hmm. and from my understanding, in the past two seasons of Glow, she's actually had 
um, a hand in writing and producing it. Like she's had a big, oh, yeah. a, a, a big part in it. And mm-hmm. I think she's a very, very talented, very, very talented woman. And I think Jen Walters is a very, very talented woman. Like, like when I think Jen Walters, I think everything that Alison Brie is, mm-hmm. I, I don't care about, you know, not big and muscle. And you know what? Alison Brie, a lot of those stunts they did in glow. She did. Um, mm. she worked out, yeah. she got the, she's not like ripped, but she has muscles. She has very muscular, like, legs and, and arms and and, and yeah. i think that she would pull it off 100 percent. but she, she can do the the physical stuff the stunts and, and glow and things like that she's proven she can handle that stuff and she'll do most of it most likely in a motion capture suit which, which will be fine like i said we don't need her to be big and ripped and like a female lou ferrigno so that's exciting. I, th- I think that's fun news. I always like to hear it. Like, sometimes casting news, you're like, ooh, and then it turns out great. It's always fun to get one that doesn't make you cringe on the onset, though. <laughs> right. And no, I, we, we all are fans of Allison Brie. Uh, I didn't watch Community as much as y'all did, um, but everybody's ever seen her on that on there, like Marisha and Andrew. I know y'all love her on there mm-hmm. and David and I'd certainly love her on glow. So and she's also I'm, Unikitty I'm excited about that on the Lego What's movie. That? She also voices Unikitty on the Lego movie. Uh, well, there you go. My kids may or may not have watched <laughs> that like 10 times between here and Atlanta. <laughs> if we get an official announcement on this, I know we'll all be excited about it. So, Oh yeah, that's good. But, um, We've got some more uh, images from the Batman also, and these are my favorite images so far. Mm-hmm. Um, the, mm-hmm. Of course, we get to see the Batmobile, which I, I will tell you I like to look at the Batmobile better than I do the Bat bike, the Bat cycle. The Bat um, cycle. But, yeah. yeah. But actually, my favorite thing about these pictures is I think it's our best look at Batman. That, that little teaser thing they had with Robert Pattinson in the suit, was fine and we talked about that Mm -hmm. but you really get a good look at what the more what we think the costume looked like in the film this Mm -hmm. these pictures certainly have more of that you know neo-nor crime fighting sort of feel that matt reeves told us we were going to get um you I, i think we really get a feel just for what the atmosphere and the ambiance yeah. this movie will feel like what, what do y'all think about the batmobile or these or these pictures in general i mean i'm always i'm always down for a new batmobile i think batmobiles are fun you know always <laughs> you know, yeah. they, they, we've had so many such different batmobiles you know it's always exciting yeah. to see like and what are we doing this time right well it's you know you stretch from the very strange unrealistic Mm -hmm. through military type vehicles with the tumbler and Mm -hmm. now this which kind of goes back to it has elements of some of the older batmobiles but Mm -hmm. with sort of like a a race car well it it may it it, it makes me think of mad max it really looks like it really looks like a modified muscle car like that's going to be the way it plays in the movie is Mm -hmm. bruce takes a uh, somebody said it sort of—it looks like a Mustang. It sort of to me looks like an old Charger. But I thought it looked way, like a Charger, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but it either way, Dominic Toretto's car. Yeah, it, it, well, that was a '69 Charger. So there you go. That's what we're talking about. Um, yeah, I know. So it's—I uh, I think that certainly fits into what period of time 
we're supposed to be seeing Batman early in his career, mm-hmm. what would the first Batman movie be? It'd be the car he get his hands on that he could, he and he modified it. And I think I think it looks awesome. Yeah, I really like. It's nice to kind of get, you know, when that that initial thing where you know it was kind of going in, you know, like close ups of the whole costume. It's kind of nicer to get kind of a pulled back image of like okay and here's like how it actually looks together you know because you didn't really get that the mm-hmm. first time you just you know because details are different than the whole image you know it's uh, it is you know costumes being something that i kind of you know uh tinker with a lot there are some things that i've made that have the most incredible details but the whole effect is just sort of mediocre because the um it just it doesn't have the silhouette that kind of works and uh, and, mm-hmm. and and vice versa some things it's like they just look so cool you get down and there's nothing really that great about it like on a micro level so it was, it was good to kind of get a, a a look for kind of how the whole thing is gonna gonna feel so yeah. one of those one of those situations where the the sum is greater than the parts yeah. yep. or whatever that saying goes yep. yeah yeah I agree I think that the car gives these it gives me this feeling of um mixing the best parts of the older films and the best parts of the nolan films mm-hmm. uh, i i understand you know batman and robin is garbage batman forever is, is you know not a great movie but there are things that i can appreciate in them i appreciate mm-hmm. all uh, superhero films except for some but um <laughs> All except for some. (laughs) Uh, um, So there's a lot. I'm I'm happy to see that. I I really get this feeling that they are pulling from everything they can. Yeah. They're not just saying like, well, we need to make the Nolan movies again because that made money. I feel like they're they're saying, what can we pick an element from every single thing and mix it to make this 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 new Batman that is very different but very familiar. And that's what I get from the bike. That's what I get from the. The car, the car, mm-hmm. you know, it's a muscle car, but then there are freaking bat wings on the back of it, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that right. wasn't that wasn't necessary, but he put it there because Batman is a little dramatic and he's a little, yeah. he, you know, it's okay that Batman wants some flair, right? Um, it very much fits his character. I like to see that and, and maybe not take itself too seriously. That's what I get from the bike. That's why I like the bike, even though you didn't. It, it, it's it's not taking itself too seriously, mm-hmm. but still, obviously, it it is not being a joke. Right, and the right. suit the suit looks great. I, I love it with the cape, and and I didn't know how I was gonna feel about it, but altogether, it does look really awesome. I could, I think it's gonna look really really. I was playing some of the Arkham games, and I can just be like this. This could totally just be a suit in the mm-hmm. Arkham games, and it would look so awesome him in mm-hmm. the fight scenes. Mm-hmm. And I have one more thing to say about the car. My favorite part is that there isn't a freaking machine gun on the front of it. No, here we go. I appreciate it. Are you sure wow. there's not a machine gun on the front of it? Wait, what? Well, I mean, it's not visible, but I mean, I'm just I'm just saying, like, the engine's in right. the back, so you got plenty of room in that hood for a pop-up machine gun. That's true. And that'd be okay. But, I, but my point is... Batman should not have a machine gun on the front of his car waving it around. I'm happy that there isn't a like giant freaking gun on the There's car. There's not a 
there's not a Tommy gun stuck on the Dude, on the front right. of the car. And I'm happy we're not that, gonna that, have, we're not gonna have this conversation again. <laughs> I don't know why you're so against me not liking Batman shooting people, <laughs> but okay. It's, the 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 Batwing in mm-hmm. Tim Burton's first film had machine guns on it. It sure does, and I don't yeah. like that. And you don't like it. Yeah, I don't like that. It's that he tried to kill the Joker. Batman's not supposed to use guns. No, there is a difference between that. There is a tonal difference between that and Ben Affleck's Batman blowing up cars with people in it, with a machine gun on the front of his car. That's true. So. Now, Daniel, you can't be like shocked that your kid has opinions about things like guns on the front of Batman's car. You do realize where he gets. <laughs> We've had this is. This has been a an ongoing conversation for years. But not point. on not on the podcast. I've never heard this conversation before. Uh, that's all that that can be a whole separate podcast. I'll tell the short version of the story. <laughs> I hate Batman v Superman. He does not hate it as much as I do. I was not a fan. No, I'm not I'm not particularly fond of it. Mm-hmm. The last forty five minutes of that movie is good. Is it I'll though? Say, I'm, I spent a lot, all the build up to what was good though was garbage. I, I enjoyed the last about the last forty five minutes of that movie. I do actually enjoy. Little plug for myself: last week I spent hours putting together a tier list of every comic book movie and then ranking every single comic book movie. Guess where that one ended up? <laughs> At the bottom. <laughs> At the very bottom. <laughs> There are worse comic book movies than Batman. Batman the Spider-Man Far From Home. Oh, I like Spider-Man Far From Home, but I did not like Bi- Batman v Superman. Yes, this is another <laughs> argument we have. Okay. Uh, so uh, now, now you're going to argue with me, David? Hey, Dad. Guess <laughs> where Spider-Man 3 ended up? At the top. No, some, also at, somewhere near the bottom, I hope. It wasn't at the top, but it wasn't in the bottom tier. Oh, no. You are kidding me. <laughs> How do you not put that movie in the bottom tier of Superman movies? You mean like, Spider-Man movies? <sighs> I mean, it had, it had its... Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all needed emo Peter Parker. So, okay. Emo th- Peter Parker is not even the worst thing about them. <laughs> <laughs> emo Peter no, Parker is very Sam Raimi. It, it yeah. is. And yeah, then, but it irritates me. It irritates me though because whoever thought that Venom, Venom bringing out Peter Parker's dark side, that his dark side would be an emo kid who dances badly. <laughs> like, really, you're right. That's what we're going with this. It is horrible. I'm aware that it's horrible, but when I watch the whole thing as a trilogy, the whole thing as a trilogy, tonally. It's not that much different from the other two. It all kind of does really work together well as a trilogy. No, if you look at it from that perspective. <laughs> this is not even on today's topic list. No, it is not. But okay. I'm really enjoying no, it. It, doesn't. it does not work. It does not work. It does not work. <laughs> that film needed one villain, and it needed to be Sandman, with the exception of the fact, do not make Sandman, Sandman the guy who actually killed Uncle Ben. I hated that. They rushed Harry becoming Green Goblin. Hated that. 
that they no. did not the studio pushed Sam Raymond to have Venom in that freaking film. He didn't uh-huh. need to be in there. And I like Topher Grace. I like Topher Grace on that 70s show. Take him out of that 70s show. He is not Venom. He is not Eddie Brock. I like was Eddie Brock. It was terrible. The movie's awful. We talked last time we recorded, we talked about how much we all love Sam Raimi. The Evil Dead movies are fantastic. The first two Spider movies are fantastic. I'm excited he's doing Doctor Strange. Spider Man 3 is a sin against cinema. <laughs> Don't hold back, Daniel. Tell us how you really feel. We're unclear. Hey, <laughs> and that's how I feel about that. Here's the thing. Here, here's the thing, though. That's fair. The same people. The same people who love Spider-Man 3 are the same people who loved Batman and Robin. Because it's the same kind of camp. That's not true. That is not uh, true. Very <laughs> much. Very much true. When's the last time you watched Spider-Man 3? When Joel Schumacher, when Joel Schumacher made Batman and Robin, he was going for the camp of the 60s TV show. That's what he wanted mm-hmm. to make. To put the 60s TV show on film. So at least that aspect of it, and looking at it from that point mm-hmm. of view, made sense where it came from and where it went what they did to spider-man 3 makes zero sense so you just i'm, I'm gonna play some politics games and put some words in your mouth Uh-oh. you just said that batman and robin is better than spider-man 3 no they're both equally bad equally. I'm just saying, you know I, I can understand where they got the idea yeah. for for batman and robin from how what i, th- they I thought about this terrible i thought about this before how i feel about spider-man 3 is exactly how marisha feels about um, Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> That's great. It's kind of true. Where you understand the thoughts, yes. but there's like, something about it, man. I love. Yeah, there's, it's just like I can't quite not love it. Yeah, but I think I think Revenge of the Sith is widely acknowledged as the best of the prequel movies. Yeah. Oh, it's the best bad movies. There we go. <laughs> Spider-Man uh, 3 is the worst of three good movies. Yeah. Really? Um, and here's another. Y'all want to start another argument with me and David? A much better version of Venom in the in these yeah. Venom movies than we got in Spider-Man 3. I won't argue with that, but I will okay, say I stop, hate stop, the Venom stop I hate Venom. Stop, I don't talk. like the movie. I like it. I, I didn't see it. I the hell out of that movie. I had fun with it. Yeah, I didn't see. Well, you didn't see it either, did you, Andrew? I hadn't seen it. I want to watch it, but I haven't seen it. We need to watch it. I, I can admit I'm being harsh on Venom. Okay, I'm being harsh on Venom because you're right. It was fun. I really hate the way that Tom Hardy walks in that movie. <laughs> Maybe it's just the way Tom Hardy walks. I, hate I think the way it is. Tom, just Tom, the Hardy way Tom walks. Hardy walks. That's really the reason you don't like it's the movie. Just the way he walks in every movie. So what? And I'm not a, a good movie. So, like, so far, this will be episode four <laughs> of this podcast. And what I've learned so far is that David is very critical of people's eyebrows and of the way they walk. Anyway, talking about Venom 2 specifically, um, we didn't get, it doesn't seem to me we got a lot of images or anything from this while they were filming it. I'm, mm-hmm. no. I'm excited for the trailer. I'm ready to get a trailer so we can sort of have more of a feel of this movie. But uh, the only thing that really got brought up that people had a problem with was Woody Harrelson's hair in the first one. And I'm like, seriously? Like, you people know, got a gripe about, about something. Hair? 
if you go back and look at Mark Bagley's art when 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 Cletus Cassie was first introduced, that was his hairstyle. That was it. They got it. They actually got it comic book correct. Yeah. But people hated it in the first movie. He's in the first movie for ten seconds, but people hated the haircut. Now all of a sudden, we get an image from Venom Two, and Woody Harrelson's got a different haircut, and everybody's excited. Yes, they changed the hair, and I'm going, well, just, what? Just as long as he is a psychotic mass murderer, which we know Woody Harrelson can do, he's he, pulled that off. Yeah. Before, it really is. He's natural born killers with superpowers. That's that's the character. That's that's who Carnage is, mm-hmm. and that's who I hope we get. But um, so I didn't know Andrew Marisha had not seen the first one. No. But I mean, do you have have any thoughts about? about Venom 2 now that it's finished wrapping. I mean, I do want to see the first one. I haven't seen it yet. I am more interested now. You know, once I realized Woody Harrelson was involved. Yeah, he's always a seller um, for me. You know, he's one of those. He's he's so strange and, and weird. He's interesting. And, but he's an interesting actor, and he, he's one of those that I will go out of my way to watch a Woody Harrelson movie. Yeah. Also, there's uh, been lots of rumors and talks about Tom Holland showing up in Venom potentially because obviously Sony and Disney have been able to work together a little bit right. better. You had uh, the the um, the Vulture showing up in that Morbius trailer, so mm-hmm. um, I think Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. I say Tom Hardy. I meant Tom Holland. Uh, Tom Holland has even said he would he would love to show up in Venom too. So here's here's what I think happened there. I think Sony tried to take away Spider Man. And used an appearance of Spider-Man in this movie as a bargaining chip to give Spider-Man back to Marvel for another movie. Huh. Oh, that's a good... Idea. So, like, Sony's like, if you let Sp- if we agree Spider-Man can show up in this one, Tom Holland, yeah. then we can go back to our deal. That's a good point. I think that, that, that sounds about right. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it definitely tracks. Look, man, I'll go see Venom 2 for sure. If Tom Holland is in it, so and you and a whole really? bunch of other you people. Hated the last Spider-Man movie, son. Remember? I like Tom Holland. Oh, good grief! He wasn't the problem. And I'll see anything with Spider-Man in it. I'll watch Spider. You, I love Spider-Man. I got a Spider-Man comic book signed by Stan Lee right there, looking at me. Hello, beautiful. And I love Spider-Man, and I will see anything with Spider-Man in it. I'm with you. And, and I, I mean, it. Tom Holland is adorable as Spider-Man. He's like. He I mean, he's perfect. He's like all like. He is really good. He's he's great. He's mm-hmm, everything he like Spider-Man ought to be, in my opinion. Not that I, I agree one hundred percent. Read lots of Spider-Man comics, but like how I always had Spider-Man in my head. So that's I'm, fair. I mean, and I the thing is, what you just said, I'll go see anything that Tom Holland's playing Spider-Man in, and a lot of people feel that way. So if if Sony could leverage, it's going to help. If they did indeed make that happen, then I think that it'll be good for um, ticket sales. So if he's in it, like, what do y'all say? I mean, you know, would we say under or over five minutes of screen time? Oh, under. under. Yeah. Um, <laughs> second guess, under. And I want to say over. Oh, Daniel's if he's in it at all, if he's in it at all, don't waste the appearance. Don't waste all the money if it's in a paid Tom Holland. Go ahead and go for it. I don't personally think he's going to be in it. I really don't. But mm-hmm. I do hope when 
he makes an appearance in that part of the franchise in a Venom movie, because I do think we'll get a third one at least. Um, I mm. do think he will appear eventually. And, or vice versa, we'll, we might get a Tom Hardy in a Spider-Man film. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, that when you put those two characters on screen together, don't waste it. That's that's kind of how I feel about that. But mm-hmm. I'm excited for it. Like I said, I really enjoyed the first one. You know, it's not not Oscar worthy. It's not the greatest improvement ever made. But I had fun with it, and you yeah. can tell everybody who made that film had fun with it. And that's what I mean. We've talked this before. They're superhero films. The actors and the actresses talk about all the time. You feel silly doing it, but you just have fun with it. Just know what it is. Have fun with it. It looks great on screen, and you could tell everybody enjoyed making that first one. And I enjoyed watching it. And I don't know why David don't like it, but I, I did. Because he gets his tendon. I'm really excited for the second one. Being unbiased. It is a fine, good movie. It is fine. It is a average superhero movie that is fun. My, pro- the, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a, a coming to Jesus moment with myself. I don't like it because it's so mediocre. But people treated it like it wasn't mediocre. Huh. yeah. And at the time, I've kind of grown to like Sony a bit more, and um, and, and not be so hard on them. But at the time, I was like. I was on that bandwagon of screw Sony, give a fuck, I'm so mad, you know. And <laughs> so I was like, don't give Sony, don't make them think they're doing something right when they're doing something not great, you know. Yeah. Like, because I, I knew they'd learn to learn, they'd learn the wrong lesson from it, is how I felt. Um, but you know, I was being too harsh because into the Spider Verse is great. Morbius is probably going to be fine. This is fine. They're not the ones who screwed up, almost screwed up the Disney deal. That was Disney. So you know, I'm dad. You are right, and I was wrong. You might better write this on the calendar. Well, well like you said, though, like you just said, it was <laughs> mediocre, and people had like it wasn't. But that's my point, son. It's not mediocre. It is actually a good, fun movie. Just take it's the win. I disagree with that one. Okay, I take it back. You're not right. I disagree completely. <laughs> I was going to say, Daniel, just take the win. He just like mostly conceded. Uh, just be like, all right, I won. Move on. You don't know Daniel very well, do you? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I want to skip around our list a little bit and try to kind of stay in the world of comic book stuff um, because there's something else I want to get to. But the, uh, the Star Girl is coming to CW, mm-hmm. and I know this is something that the, the trailer's been out for a while, but the trailer dropped so long before we actually started this show that um, we didn't ever really actually get on the list, and I got reminded about that show today, and I actually know that Marisha and Andrew just recently saw this trailer for the first time, so what, what did y'all think? Okay, full disclosure, I've had it with the Arrowverse. Like, I was super into it for a long time. But I'm intrigued. Like, I watched the trailer and I was like, okay, that actually looks pretty good. I think I might actually have to tune in for that. So I'm surprised that I'm kind of excited about it. Yeah. I'm a little, is it, is it going to be connected to the Arrowverse or is it its own thing? Um, well, here's the thing. Because here's the here's thing. The they kind of pulled the down some bigger names than I would have expected. Well, here, here, well, here's what's going on there. 
All right, so the Arrowverse started out. We got to have a little bit of history lesson so we all, people who aren't really caught up on what's going on, know what's going on. You had Arrow was the first one. That's, you know, of course, Arrowverse, right? Mm-hmm. And for a long time, it was going to be there's no superpowers in this, in this universe. Well, then we introduced Barry Allen. Right. So we got the Flash. Now we've introduced the idea of having superhuman abilities, the idea of metahumans. Mm-hmm. So we had Arrow and Flash set in the same universe. In the meantime, CBS is developing Supergirl. So they introduced Supergirl, and in the process of producing Supergirl, they brought in Berlanti to also help with Supergirl. And we actually had a, was in season two, wasn't it, David, whenever uh, Flash crossed over into Supergirl? Wasn't that season two of Supergirl? It was season two of Supergirl. Okay, it was, it was season two. So CBS was going to cancel Supergirl. CW worked out a deal where they brought Supergirl over to CW, but it still it started out in its own universe. It was still set in its own universe. Yeah, uh, even when it got brought over, they, it was still on a different Earth. Right, just, like, right. So different Earth. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. They introduced the idea of Barry Allen being able to jump between multiverses, so he would come back and forth through the Speed Force um, to visit Supergirl's universe. Right. So they were connected, but they were in separate. We had now we have the idea of the multiverse. Mm-hmm. which is a long-standing DC Comics concept. Now we have it on television. Okay, right. So we had, so we got Supergirl. Um, they introduced Batwoman and Black Lightning, who were set in their own separate universes. So this mm-hmm. past season, with their, and Legends of Tomorrow was set in the, those characters were, that was they were directly set in the Green Arrow Flash universe, those three okay. shows. Black La- Black Lightning, Batwoman, and Supergirl were all three their separate thing. Batwoman was um actually in the Arrowverse, right? If I remember, no. I, I watched the crossover, and they that, didn't. There was. I don't think so. Did you watch anyway, any of Batgirl? I mean, Batwoman. I did, and as much as I wanted to like that show because I like Batwoman as a character, I couldn't do uh, because I'm I'm getting there too. Hold on just a second. So anyway, we have Crisis on Infinite Earths was the television event they just had. Right. And it was appropriate because in the comic books, it was Christ on Infinite Earth that deleted the multiverse and we tried to streamline DC's continuity. Well, that's what they did on television this okay. year. Now, all of our Central Arrow shows are on one Earth. They call it Earth Prime. Okay. And for the purposes of, the, of what's going on in TV. But Stargirl, the show... Now, she will be set in her own separate Earth. She's not going to be connected mm-hmm. to the Arrowverse, to the uh, to the Earth Prime characters to, right. to begin with. I'm sure eventually we'll have that merged into, but for right now, no. So we'll, we'll have another yeah. multi-Earth crisis eventually, so we can just pull that one in as well? Um, I watched, Did you watch Crisis on Infinite Earths, Dad? I, I didn't, cause, because where I was going a minute ago was, I'm like Marisha. I loved Super Supergirl was actually the show that got me into the uh, the Arrowverse. I loved it when it first started. Michelle wanted to watch it. I didn't want to watch it. I'm looking at it going, oh, this looks stupid. And that's coming from me. I hated the trailers. I didn't like the look of it. Nothing. The first episode, and it is for me, it's usually the actors and how well they portray the characters and is it believable that get me. Mm-hmm. Melissa Benoist got me. That was it. I said, okay, she can pull this off. I believe that. And I fell in love with that show for the first, you know, two or three years, the first two or three seasons of it. I loved it. And I started watching Flash and I, and I caught up on Arrow to a certain extent. And 
I wanted to love Batwoman and just couldn't. And I'm like Marisha. I completely fell out of love with Arrowverse at some point. Um, those CW shows, I can't honestly tell you I consistently watch any of them anymore. I just got but tired I, of the same really like, yeah, story. I really like I really like this Stargirl trailer. I'm in the same yeah. boat with Marisha. Really love this trailer, and, I, and I'm going to watch this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll definitely give it a chance. I mean, at this point... I don't know a ton about the character. I've been really disenchanted with the Arrowverse for a while because of circular storytelling that just seemed to... Oh, ex-hero, fill in the blank, is disillusioned with being a hero. Decides he doesn't (laughs) want to be a hero anymore. Somebody else decides to be that hero. Oh, wait, he's back. Now the other person is disillusioned, doesn't want to be a hero anymore. You can only tell the same story so many daggum times. But for now, you've got me at at Joel McHale and Luke Wilson. You've got me. You've got my attention. Yep. So I, for one, have been in love with the Arrowverse ever since Arrow started. And I watched that whole show all the way through to its ending. Um, I'm a huge fan of Arrow. It has its faults. It has its really horrible seasons. Mm-hmm. Seasons I cannot watch. I rewatch a show. I skip. I skip seasons because they're just so bad. But I love the Arrowverse. I didn't watch much of Flash. I watched a lot of Flash at first. Supergirl. I didn't like the show, but I really did like Supergirl herself. Mm-hmm. Superman in that show is really great. Um, I love. I, I tried to watch some Edge of Tomorrow because Brandon Ralph is yes incredible. Who doesn't um, want to see him? And I actually was out of it. I stopped. I did. I stopped watching Arrow a couple seasons ago. Uh, actually, the beginning of season seven, I stopped watching it because I didn't have time. Mm-hmm. But what got me back into it was Crisis on Infinite Earths mm-hmm. because I found out that Brandon Routh was going to get to be Superman again, which yeah. made which me so excited. Really cool. It was really freaking cool. And so I, I watched Christ, I watched Arrow, caught up, watched Crisis on Infinite Earths, and basically to give a summary of like the sort of you explained it pretty well. Like Sargo is on our own earth, but here's the thing: at the end of that, at the end of it, Oliver Queen becomes a Spectre, resets the universe. You have Earth Prime. So now you've got Black Lightning, Edge of Tomorrow. I mean, um, Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, Flash, and Batwoman all on the same Earth. Then you got flashes of every single other DC property. Mm-hmm. Like you saw Doom Patrol with an Earth listing. You saw titans with an earth listing he even met i'm sure y'all heard about this he ran into ezra miller's flash like he made a cameo yeah yeah so you got it all and star girl is on our own earth so yes they're not connected and on the same earth but like you said it's only a matter of time before they cross over and they they literally showed a a um a little scene of star girl which in fact they didn't have this in the trailer for star girl i don't think but you saw the big giant robot mechanical thing man i i don't know his name but you you saw stripe stripe her stepdad right yes yeah you you saw him and a couple other characters in that little flash uh, of all the different universes that oliver queen had sort of put back together and fixed okay so yeah you're right it's only a matter of time before they cross over but they are not on earth prime but they were shown but they straight up fully referenced it mm-hmm. in 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 that at the end of crisis on infinite earths Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, a, a show I think we're all excited about, and I I do like the dynamic be- 
between the characters. The the, the comic book was really short lived. They they showed up some in Justice, Justice League, League Unlimited, Unlimited uh, stuff like that. But I think that show's got potential. Uh, anything Luke Wilson is in, I will watch. Mm-hmm. So I'm uh, I'm I'm excited for that one and uh, kind of staying on the the side of DC Suicide Squad two actually finished filming recently also. And I don't think any of us were head over heels for the first one. Um, I wasn't impressed enough to go see it, honestly. Right. I didn't see it. It was at the bottom of my tier ranking as well. Mm. <laughs> it's edit. The thing about that movie is it's edited so bad. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there's something there that they just couldn't tie yes, it together. Like, I, I don't know, but. So are any of us at all even excited for Suicide Squad 2? I mean, Mm-mm. you know, it is it is James Gunn. We're all kind of familiar with James Gunn's sense of humor and the type of movies he makes. Do we think that works in a Suicide Squad 100%. setting? I, I, can, I can say the one thing that's kind of got me excited about it is how excited James Gunn is about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he's saying it's maybe his favorite thing he's ever done. I mean... You know that, and that coupled with the fact that it's it's kind of a reboot. Uh, you know, I, I'll probably mm-hmm. check this one out. Although, you know, we see a trailer, and who knows what we end up with. Mm-hmm. But for now, I'm you know I'm kind of excited about it. I'm way more excited about this one than I was the first one. Me right. too. And you know, James Gunn is incredible. He can do no wrong, except for a few tweets, I guess. But he's <laughs> a really great guy, and he's really, I mean, a really great director. Yeah. And he made two of my favorite Marvel films, Guardians of the Galaxy, stand out as completely different from the other Marvel movies and are just an just an excellent franchise that he was fully in charge of. And he had a lot to do with Infinity War as well. So Andrew's right. What has me excited is James Gunn being excited, and I trust James Gunn. Also, Pete Davidson is playing Polka Dot Man, so that's awesome. I'm excited for that. James Gunn sent out that huge cast list and with just all and all he said was don't get too attached. They're not all making it to the end. It's mm-hmm. Suicide Squad for a reason. Also we got Jai Courtney back as Captain Boomerang, which Which actually is, I'm I'm that that's the best thing I've ever seen Jai Courtney in. I was about I to say was, I thought he was really good as Captain in Boomerang. Fact, it is the only thing I've seen Jai Courtney in that didn't make me want to throw up. So, well, I guess we're all excited for that one, at least more than we were for the first one. So high hopes for that one. And um, I'm going to use that to segue actually into we talked last time we recorded about what was going on at DC Comics. I didn't put this on the list. Y'all, I thought I'd, I decided to talk about this as we were recording. But the stuff going on at DC Comics we talked about last time we recorded where Dan DiDio is out as publisher at DC. Mm-hmm. And we talked a lot about speculation, what that means about DC's future. And Jim Lee actually addressed that at C2E2 last week, mm-hmm. uh, the convention. The message right now is kind of nobody panic. The immediate plan is Jim will be the sole full-time publisher at DC. Um, and he seemed to actually instill that with some confidence, despite some reports we had heard when Dan was first fired that Jim wasn't really excited about being the full-time publisher. He seems to... Uh, either that was an exaggeration or not true and nobody really knew the reports or mm-hmm. he has kind of had time to calm Come down on, and yeah. feels better about it, it seems like. So I, I don't know that any of us really have any thoughts on that. I just kind of wanted to touch on it, that it seems like things at DC 
if Jim Lee's to be believed, may not be as in dire straits as I don't think any of us really believed. But you know, you do get a little fearful when stuff like that happens, yeah. mm-hmm. especially with the state of comic book sales being what it is. Right. You know, there are a lot of industry professionals out there who do worry about the future of the print media and comic books. Mm-hmm. So it was a topic we had to touch on uh, last week when it happened. But Jim seems to say, don't panic. Everything's going to be fine. They're moving mm-hmm. forward with their Generation 5 event and cool business as usual at DC Comics. So, um, Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Let me jump yeah. in. Let me jump in. Now, I'm yeah. not going to give my full pitch like I mentioned to you. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that, but I'm still a little worried about DC. I think I'm very happy that, that that Jim is saying everyone calm down, and he's probably right. You know, like I was saying, it's you know DC is not going to close down, but they very well could suffer some 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 sort of problems or issues. I mean, I think it's very possible that AT and T could completely reboot everything, like just trash it all and start over. Because it is such a mess, and the comic book sales are so down. So I just this, DC. This one's free. I'm gonna tell you exactly what to do. All right. Okay. DC, call me if you want. But you know, I'll just let you have this one. Take take a couple months off. Just restart everything. No, no story. No. Well, the anti monitor flies over, and he drinks the spirits of not none of that crap. Just just start <laughs> over. Have some good creators. Jim Lee being one of them. Pick a couple to be your top guys. You got Brian Michael Bendis over there now, who completely rejuvenated the Avengers franchise. He can do this. Get some Grant Morrison in there. I don't however much he cost. Have a couple people come in and write four graphic novels, uh, or five. You have a graphic novel of Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Flash. Call it DC Essentials. It is the in the same style that, and this is what I'm thinking. Uh, um. I don't know if you guys have ever read Marvels, but it's a book drawn by Alex Ross that is just the history of Marvel, and it's like flashes of the whole thing. It's a whole, it's a graphic novel that captures the entire history of Marvel. Hmm. If they can do that, then you can do that with these characters. Make a graphic novel that captures the entire history of all these characters, up to a point where you want it. You release those graphic novels after like a couple months off. Yes, you won't have any comics se- selling. You'll be fine. Like it's, uh, you'll be fine. The company will be fine. AT and T is going to survive. Yes, I think so. Okay. I mean, I, I don't it's better if you see my phone bill. That's what I'm about <laughs> to say. Yeah, uh, my phone bill says yes. I pay for that now. Yes. Um, <laughs> so have that off. You have those graphic novels. People read them and then pick it up from there. Whole new continuity. No, no freaking around. You have your essentials where you get the you get the world where you want it, David. and then you take off from there. That's it. That's all you got to do. I love you, but you basically just pitched what the new 52 was was supposed to be. That's not what the new 52 was. That's where that idea came from. Yes, it is. They took these new creators when they brought Jim Lee on board, and it was Jim and two creators sitting around a room talking about, you know, if we could start these characters over from scratch, what do we do? And that's where those ideas came from, and you had the new 52. That's what they do every two freaking years. No, no, no. The, the, exactly. dif- the difference the difference is new fifty two they're like well no more does you just 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 do it. it's it's you don't have to because the problem with the new fifty two but you're talking about involving the same creators who came up with new fifty two to try to do this all I said was Jim oh, oh, wait a minute and actually and you're talking about and you're talking about doing like Marvels where it was just a history of from a regular man's point of view 
of what the Silver Age of Marvel was like, right? That's what Marvel's was. So if you want to do that with DC, so I'm confused, though, because you're telling me start from scratch, fresh from where this event would would end, right? But if you're talking about telling the, are you wanting to tell a new history of DC? Are you wanting to use the existing continuity, the best parts of the continuity? You use the best parts of the, okay. Is the thing that's where you're wrong. It's this is turn. It's not an event. No more events. No more events. It's just a, sounds like a reboot to me. It is a reboot because they need to reboot it. Just but but it no reboot like event to me. So basically, the what you're saying is they need. The they just need to reboot it. They don't need an in-universe reason that they're rebooting it. They just need to yes. just be like because when they introduce this new universe, when they introduce this universe reason, then you got the multiverse, and then because then what comes along is you have these higher central characters going like, yes, you like this world, but secretly the world you knew is still alive. And it is freaking This is how, but DC has their own version of multiverse too, right? Yes. So here's how these multiverses start. You get these guys with these great ideas and they're stories you want to publish, but they don't necessarily fit in the current continuity you have Mm -hmm. so you create an alter that's what elseworlds is it's what all that is and then but then those characters and concepts you create in that story are so good you want to continue using them and you end up with a whole nother it this this isn't the the thing about continuity whenever you've been publishing these books for almost 100 years now dc comics has for 80 years you know the characters don't age like right. real people do, right? Mm-hmm. So it it really is all you all you really can do is to continue to streamline your continuity as best you can as you go forward. You're never going to fix it and have it be straight from now to the end of eternity. It's not going to happen. Well, that's the thing, and that's you're you're doing. I love you too. You said you. Lo- I love you too. You're using those big buzzwords. You streamlined the con- You're using the buzzwords that Dan DeDio was throwing around. Like, to try to make it sound like any of it makes sense. Oh, the problem is he tried to do it five times in ten years. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely yeah. too the much. The reason he tried to do it five times in ten years is because they kept, is because it, 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 they were snowballing. I want to stop the snowball, which means, that's why I'm not calling, it's not an event. It's not just, huh? David, I understand that. But the thing is, he, you know, you can't be so focused on trying to keep one continuity consistent. For so long, it's got to branch out for the sake of the storytelling. It has to branch out. Yeah, I have no problems with reality, multiverses and alternate realities and multiple Earths. They're inevitable. That's that's fine. That's fine. You can have those elseworlds. What I'm saying is, don't make the well secretly the New Fifty Two. That's its own Earth over here, and now it's merging. Blah, no, that's the you can have elseworlds. Nope, I'm not saying you can't have elseworlds, but you can also have a straightforward continuity doesn't look like a giant mess to look at I understand that and we have that no we have that yes we have that from you know they'll they do that and we'll have that for a while and eventually though it's going to grow and swell and grow and swell and all all they all they ever really try to do whenever these things are done right whenever you know christ on infinite earth is done right and that one was by the way that was a brilliant story and Anyway, when was when the was the comic series. book published? Crisis on Infinite Earths. That was the mid eighties. That was eighty five, eighty six. Okay, all right. So, era, okay, twelve or thirteen series. 
And when those things are done right, what you're doing is you're picking the best stories you've published throughout your history to be part of the main continuity Mm -hmm. and the Mm -hmm. characters. And you're picking your best characters that you've published over your entire continuity, whether they were set in separate worlds or not, to be in one to, to be part of your main continuity. So you can do more of those characters going forward. And those things are inevitable. Nothing is wrong with that being inevitable. Nothing is wrong with having characters be characters who tell stories, but I'm saying you have the, the essentials where you're right. You pick the best parts of continuity. You for Superman, you say, here's what happened with Superman. Here's the best parts of his stories. And now he's here. And why do I feel like we're agreeing and disagreeing at the same time? I'm just trying to say the answer to fixing DC comics is not another let's fix the continuity event whenever we've had, whenever that was the problem the last decade under Dan DeDio was trying to fix it too many freaking times. Which is why I'm not trying to fix it. I'm trying to destroy it. Destroy it. Level it. Let the past die. I'm not trying to fix the broken building. I'm trying to demolish it and build it anew. He's going to Kylo Ren on us over there. Thanos. Let the past die. I'm I'm Thanos in it. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) We're going to... Thanos... No, no, listen here. Thanos tried to snap the half the world and, and... and, and and do it from there. He tried to fix this world, but it didn't work. It was a mess. So what he in the end game he said, "Fine, I'll kill you all and start anew." Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm gonna do. That's I what you're gonna do. <laughs> if if yeah, you what were really, what really the answer was just create more resources, resources, not less people. So you know your theory is just as flawed as Thanos's. So <laughs> we're gonna keep going. I've got one more actually kind of connected to comic books thing. I saw I saw something on social media the other day. Where somebody tried to write an article about why the X-Men franchise failed. Hmm. And I ain't allowed y'all to even bother clicking the article, so I may be talking out of my ass here when we go forward on this, because I didn't even click on that crap. Uh, let's really ask this question amongst the four of us. Did Fox's X-Men franchise fail? Is that a failure? No, I mean, absolutely not. If you're looking at dollar signs, I think you have to say No. Well, I think if you even if you look at it as a whole, I mean, how many movies total in the X Men universe? Teen. Okay, so it's I mean it's it's a little more than half the size of the MCU. It's it's a big universe, mm-hmm. a lot of movies. I mean, there's like two bad ones. There's some mediocre ones, and but there's a few really really good ones. And you know what? It never ended. It just stopped because Disney bought Fox. Right. Like, there were still movies in development. It's not like Fox was like this is a failure. We're scrapping it. Oh no, it Fox would have kept this, making it only stopped because Disney bought Fox. Right. I mean, and honestly, whenever they decided to kind of go back, I was kind of skeptical when they were like when they did first cast. And then they cast James McAvoy and um I totally lost his name. Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender, yes. And I mean, I felt like it worked. Um I didn't love well. all of the movies in that uh, continuity, but even some of the ones that people like, people really were down on Apocalypse, and I really liked Apocalypse. I mean, I didn't think it was like the greatest superhero movie ever or anything, but I thought it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. And let's be honest, even though it's a slight aside, it's still part of what Fox did with the X Men. Logan is one of the best superhero movies ever made, or rated or not. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. To say. X-Men is a failure I mean that would totally discount the fact that X-Men is a large 
part of the reason people started taking comic books movies seriously as a thing. I mean, back all the way when the first X-Men movie came out. 2000. No, they, I mean, that's the thing. They got it right. They got, they figured out the formula for a good comic book movie really before anybody else did. Because before that, hadn't comic book movies been a lot like um, video game movies where there were a bunch of like some mediocre ones and some really terrible ones. There was Batman and there was Superman. Those were the only good ones. I mean, you, you have success. some good some good Batman movies going back and, and Superman. And those are, I don't know, I feel like Batman in particular is a little bit different. I, I, there are a lot of challenges with making a good Superman movie, but there are still some good ones. But the other thing about Superman, though, is like Superman, since before television was a thing, was an important part of American entertainment. The the radio the Superman radio show was important, so naturally, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like Superman segued into, and, and Superman is really different, um, especially like the ones that were you know made back whenever I was a kid were really different than well, modern superhero nothing, movies. Yeah, well, not, nothing in the world of superheroes or comic books captured the imagination the way Superman did still does mm-hmm. and nothing nothing has infiltrated itself into pop culture from that world the way Superman has mm-hmm. that was a right place right time lightning in the bottle yep event this yeah. is this is what I did I sort of broke this up into three tiers I've only got three of those 12 movies in my th- in my bottom tier you can't cause failure, and every one of these things made a profit, except I think Dark Phoenix, mm-hmm. um, which X three and Dark Phoenix to me suffer mm-hmm. the same. I don't even know what the word is because the Dark too Phoenix much weirdness in the Gene Gray. No, it's the same disadvantage. You've got this whole, you've got this entire history and world full of these great stories. And the greatest of their stories is the Dark Phoenix Saga. And if you can't take all this source material and screw up the best part of that source material twice, (laughs) you kind of got the rest of it right. I mean, none of us are direct adaptation, but you've got the right sentiments to it. You got the right feel for it. You, You understood what you were adapting meant. You know, you, you hit on the high points and when the, and, Twice you try to adapt Dark Phoenix with X3 and Dark Phoenix, of course, and missed the mark so poorly was a huge disappointment to me. So that's really the only place I really, my feelings are hurt with what Fox did with X-Men. But you already know X-Men is like the entire X-Men property, all of it, all X-Men media, I adore. And 